0: And welcome to the Life Support Live Podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous Starship
1: captain once said, and as another famous Starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little
0: fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimachek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. (laughs) Hey,
1: every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program already in progress.
0: On this week's episode, we're actually talking about something very uh, close to my heart, which is good and bad Therapy. This episode uh, today that we're discussing is really inspired by uh, this week's episode of Lower Decks. We also got a lot of inspiration for this episode <laughs> from our Facebook group. Uh, we okay. asked everyone for suggestions, and this seemed to be really the the topic people wanted to talk about. So we see an example of a uh, of a counselor. Uh, aboard the Cerritos, and um that therapy session that we see really inspires what happens in the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. There's so much we could talk about in this episode Larry, but I'm just um I'm just wondering but Let's big not. picture. <laughs> yeah, but let's not. Um, no, no, no. no. What, what did you what what were your thoughts of the, about this episode before we dive into good and bad therapy? What, what did you think?
1: Well, just overall I think that I I know we're not talking about spoilers, so I won't be spoilery here, but I really think I had a radical, bold thought. I'm going to say it more this week as it goes along. I'm about to decide that Lower Decks is the most complete and cogent Star Trek series out of the gate Hmm. since the original series, and maybe even more than the original series.
0: Wow. I didn't think about things in in that lens before. If I do think about things in that lens, out of the gate, and we've got one more episode left of the first Mm -hmm. season, but I think you're right. The first season, this is a very strong first season where we are seeing both an arc to characters, episode for episode, things are mostly solid to good. There haven't really been episodes where I thought, ooh, wow, well, this is really the weak link here. Um, <laughs> it, this is a very strong first season, and this episode in particular, uh, I think it did something that... Um, I was about to say that life support does so well, but I mean lower decks. We both start <laughs> with L, so it's a, little, it's a little tricky for my brain on a Saturday morning here in I California. I can see you getting them confused. They're both such high... <laughs> <Yeah. professional quality. laughs> right, right, totally, yeah. We're both so animated. (laughs) Um, (laughs) the, this episode in particular, it it did, it did what lower ducks, lower ducks. It did what, um, lower decks does so well. It both was able to, um, have a good laugh at Star Trek while also Having something uh, to say on it, on its own, mm-hmm. having something something to say about these characters, and that balance, uh, I think that balance was really the best here. The lower deck starts oh, with okay. some uh, the, the first episode. I think is is really hard for folks because the comedy doesn't feel as grounded in, in Star Trek, yeah. but th- it's an it's, adjustment. It's, it's an new- adjustment. Yeah, this episode, boy, does cr- it pay things off.
1: <laughs> yeah and I don't want to uh, now I feel like we're teasing a lot for people that can't know, see it but, and may and know. not you know I'm not trying to get too overwhelmed. I'm not one to usually think around and sit about superlatives or think about contests you know among the Star Treks. I mean, it just yes. hit me this week that I'm enjoying the show so much, and yeah, I know there are things to wince about as it's gone along, the things that concern me in the beginning. Now are paid they're not just random accidents of sloppy creation, you know or yeah or uh oh look, it's the inevitable start you know we always talk about oh it takes every Star Trek three years to get really good. that's what I'm talking about now, on the other hand, we said two years ago, what do you mean it takes you ten a- <laughs> ten it makes you two years to do ten little half hour cartoons. What do you mean it takes two years? well now it's like i I understand why it took them two years, and it wasn't just drawing. Yeah you know, detailed plans of every background prop in 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 the original series. It's that they actually really cohesively coordinated the, the, the arc of development of everything. Of all yes. I don't want to say all eight characters, but the vast majority. All eight characters and a lot of other subliminal um, sidebar pieces too. Anyway, yeah. We're going yeah, on and on it, about uh, the show, <laughs> but I mean that's that was my that was my thought out the gate. Now our topic here was like yeah. you know, the, the theme of the week for the show or one of the themes of the week for the show. But they all, I don't want to say they're seamless, but oh, my God, they're just um, I really enjoy it. What's happened is I've strung along. I've really enjoyed it now for six, seven, eight weeks in a row. And I see where they're going. And it feels like there's been a lot of conscious thought into how they've built the show up and all the characters. And and the I way agree. and the whole I know that in the back of mind, the meta all this is they knew that we would be going, what? A cartoon show? What? You know, and this this kind of humor and this whole heightened, you know, on steroids kind of humor. But now we're all used to it. we're It's like, I said one time, it's like watching a Shakespeare play, and it always takes you five or ten minutes to get your ears and your brain synced into mm. the language of Shakespeare. Language. After, that, sure. after that opening five or ten minutes, most of the time you've kind of settled in and you know, by the time you're going along, you, you're into it by then, which is true of all Yeah, almost.
0: yeah I, I think that's a really great point. Um, I think we're very much acclimated to the language, to the characters, acclimated. to the look, uh, absolutely. And, uh, and it pays off. I, I don't want to ruin anything, anything for anyone with this episode because there's a lot of joy in it. Um, but if you're, if you're a longtime fan of Star Trek, there is something in this episode for everyone. Um, there are both um, visual and musical um, references and little mm-hmm. love letters. And sometimes in that love letter, just a little poke, just a little making yep. fun. <laughs> um, a swipe. Uh, a little swipe. Uh, um, yeah, I, I just I, I love that, that um, in this one episode, they were able to make fun of some of the original movies, some of the Next Generation movies. And even some of the Kelvin timeline. Um, What do you mean, even some of the (laughs) Kelvin? A lot. There might have been a lot of of, They were pretty uh, equal
1: opportunity, I think, across the board. Yeah, yeah. They looked at all of them as if all the movies are like equal or something. It was kind of a radical concept.
0: Yeah. um, uh, Tim says over here, um, having been unconvinced with Lower (laughs) Decks at the beginning, the series has actually improved as it's continued. It's a welcome return to episodic stories, how Star Trek works best. I agree, Tim, and... It's both episodic while also having a very small arc. There's an arc, uh, to, to the characters. And that I enjoy. I I think it's, you can jump in and out very easily. And, um, if you're watching it from beginning to end, you're seeing development with the characters, which Mm -hmm. is, which is different, Larry, than Star Trek Picard or Star Trek Discovery, where there's a big story arc, Mm -hmm. where the larger story is going. Here it's, the focus is more on the character arcs. Which does feel, um, it It feels like a condensed, like, next generation kind of approach uh, to things. So, yeah, but l- let's get to therapy. Mm-hmm. Let's get to therapy. <laughs> this, this episode... Good and bad, yes. <laughs> good and bad, yeah. I got a lot to say about both of those. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> this is, I, I want our audience to, this is the topic that Larry and I have been dancing around. For a long time. And Larry, you helped me to just um, really press engage on it this week. And I think okay. I've been avoiding it a little bit because I've got such strong feelings about it. So, so thank you for helping me to approach this thing. You've been a good well, therapist we, on this topic. We
1: danced around exactly. It. It's it's amazing when we're talking. Because <clears throat> right currently right now, and maybe we'll keep this. We don't know we're talking. But for sure, after... Discovery is done, and we're back in the land of no new Trek every week. Um, we were dancing around exactly how to take a theme and frame it so that so that it was true to the show, but also how it applied to everything else in Trek. Have we not done it yet? Does it apply at all to the real world right now? I mean, it, yep. all these topics do. Are they topical? But yes. there's always something for right now. Sometimes with the pandemic, yes. with the world we're in, the politics, the racial upheaval, and justice upheaval – Um, climate, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Just whatever's going on in the world right now, we try to relate it to a little bit just because of the way everything seems to filter down to our normal everyday lives. So, hopefully, this is. Anyway, looking through all those topics, we were trying to see, well, so why do we frame this? And we knew it was around. (laughs) We went from anger management to, to something around therapy and how to frame that. And so we came up with this. But yeah, you've been talking about that Esri scene with Garrick since the day I met you. So.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to Esri. Um, we'll get others, to Ezri. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, oh man, we'll get, Don't we'll get there. Up, man. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, with this lower decks episode, um, we see, we see a therapist and we see the therapist also give, uh, one of the crew a recommendation on ways to work on her anger. And then the rest of the episode is really about her journey trying to find a way to work through that anger on her own. And, um, the, you know, if you want to talk about good and bad therapy, this therapist is really obsessed with food and all of this therapist's metaphors are all food based, uh, which I think would get kind of annoying for folks, but it's funny. But let's, let's use that as a starting off point for talking about good and bad therapy. And we're going to focusing, we're not focusing so much on on physical therapy or speech therapy. There's a lot of forms of therapy out there, but we're talking about mental health. We're talking about, um, in the most formal sense, someone who is a trained professional who is helping people work through their mental health goals. Um, but we'll also probably touch upon less formal professionals, but people who are fulfilling that role in someone Mm -hmm. else's life they might not be a trained professional but they have a lot of experience that might help them to help other people with their emotions with their thoughts with situations they're really stuck in so larry They're they're just
1: wise and empathetic and not toxic
0: and serve a mean rectogino. Um, we're speaking of which, uh, I am fully prepped and loaded here, um, Larry. Oh, where we're. do you want to start on this epic journey uh, that we are about to embark on today?
1: Well, it all started a little five thousand alt radio station in Encino, California. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> that's, that's Ted Baxter. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Uh, has that's not that's Mary Tyler Moore, not Bob Newhart, which you would think would be our thing. Uh, no, let's start why don't we start with the original series? And sure. to me, in the series, <laughs> the series that had no counselor, except that they did. There was a there was a there was a staff psychologist on the Enterprise in one episode. Right. Um yeah, Helena Noel, but um when I think of formal or informal counseling on the original series, I have to go to my man McCoy, yeah. who who sometimes people accused of being a little crusty, but no, especially with Kirk as his friend. But every, I mean, there you can find a moment where, obviously with Spock, and even a couple of times some of the junior crew in sickbay, not formally, obviously. Um, but yeah, but the, and then that moment there, by the time we get to them, and there's some great original series series moments. Uh, you know, don't destroy the one named Kirk, which I always thought is a malabored <laughs> token on the nose. Oh, look, it's a big speed each for McCoy, but it does fulfill what we're talking about here. But the one that really hits me as organic is is the, uh, damn it, Bones, tell me what you really think, uh, yes. moment from Rathacon that we're talking about. There. Yes. And that's, yeah. And, and they don't talk about having it now and continues. We had Dr. McKenna as the, as an experimental program for counseling. And they acted, it's amazing. Original series would go back and forth between talking about um, how McCoy obviously is acting as a psychologist for the crew in his big demand. But then again, turn around, I'm a surgeon, not a psychiatrist, you know, <laughs> they would play with that. But he's clearly if there's anyone in the crew that's going to do that function, it's him, especially with Kirk in the function okay. of keeping the captain going. And that seems just a classic.
0: Uh, I love that scene, and it's one that I always go back to as an example in in many of our episodes uh, because I think it it shows so much. It sh- there's there's great friendship there, but there's also um, McCoy is able to help push Kirk further. There's a trust and a relationship there, and when we ask, you know, we've we've gotten a lot of good responses, and we're going to go through these in a moment. But when I ask that question about what makes for good therapy, I think at the heart of it, I just don't think, but there's data on this as well. You've got nothing if you don't have a relationship, if you don't trust mm-hmm. the other person, and if you don't feel like they have your best interests at heart, and you can really um, share with this person what you need to in an honest way, nothing's going to work. They could have the most experience in the most advanced, effective treatment for the problem you have. But if you don't trust them, nothing's going to happen. And what right. you see with McCoy and Kirk is this profound sense of trust. Um, McCoy can call out Kirk on his stuff and Kirk trusts him that you care about me. That's why you're telling me this. You know, um, when he goes off on him, um, I, I'm I'm gonna paraphrase and I'm gonna paraphrase Bradley, but he's like, "Damn it, damn it, Jim! Other people have a birthday; that's a celebration. What is yours? Feel like a funeral." <laughs> <laughs> yep. There, there's um, there's and, there's trust there. He can say that. Yeah,
1: and that's and you're right. Any relationship between a counselor, therapist, whatever, and the patient, client, you you have to have the trust. And and a, a lot of times, if you go into a formal situation and you don't know the counseling person, I mean, part of the beginning is about establishing some kind of a trust. Yeah. If, yeah. if it's not at a deficit, it's at least at a blank slate level. Yes. But what also is about that scene is they're off. Neither one of them is in uniform there. They're off duty. Yeah. But they've known each other for 20, 30 years by that point. So it's yeah, it's they're They're in the, in the guise of friends. There's no starship at, at stake here. There's no. Crew, it's just life to life, you
0: and know, it, there's life also no ride dirt ride. on their shoes. Uh, it's a 24th <laughs> century or 23rd century. There's no oh, dirt.
1: <laughs> we've had we've had Roombas for 10 years, so of course there's that's no. right.
0: Yeah, they vaporize all uh, all dirt. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, it's it's uh it's transcended mere you know doctor patient there to just it's a, yes it's friends, it's friends, but it's the same kind of dynamic that when there is. When they are in uniform and when there is a crisis going, it makes that's part of the reason why their success rate is so high. That's part of the yeah. reason why they're the only ship to return from this five-year mission intact. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: well, I, 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 mean, that. I,
0: um, I love I love what you're saying there, Larry, and it's absolutely true. Um, when you're well, starting, uh, there is there, there's almost no trust, and um, the trust has to be earned. It has to be built, and in some situations, that's it's easier than others. If you're an adult and if you sought out this treatment yourself and if you have um, uh, if if you've had a lot of choice in the matter, then you might have you might be starting with a little bit more trust. But if you're a teenager or if you're a child and um, you might not want to be in this situation or if you're doing couples uh, therapy or family therapy and you feel like you're being dragged into this. Trust might be a little bit low um, and it really has to be earned. Or another situation, um, if you're dealing with tough stuff, if you are concerned like what will happen if I disclose this information to this other person, if you're having suicidal thoughts, things like that, you might be worried, well, what's what's this therapist gonna do with this information? Or Larry, this came up too when uh when I worked on a college counseling center. Sometimes people were afraid. If I tell you these things, are they going to get back to my professors? And so, mm-hmm. uh, part of trust has to be: Hey, here's how this works. Here's the kind of things you can tell me. If you tell me these other kind of things, here's what's happen. Here's what's going to happen. Um, you really need to be very clear as a therapist in that very first meeting. What are the parameters, and how does this work? And we're going to get into this with Troy. But um being a counselor being a therapist being a psychologist in the military is a little bit different than being um a therapist mm-hmm. psychologist uh in in civilian life. Right. So uh, and I right. think Star Trek explores that actually quite well. Um so yeah. Right. Should, speaking of uh probably the most well-known counselor in the 24th century, should we jump right. into And beyond uh, and yes. beyond, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, should we jump into the next generation and talk about our favorite counselor, Dean yeah. Troy? Yeah. This
1: was this was actually that moment there with Barkley from yeah. that's from Hollow uh, Pursuits. Really, the first time we, saw, we also saw her counseling um, uh, the mother that had lost the the crew woman who had lost uh, had a big loss. They actually finally that's like the third fourth se- third season. They finally built her that office with the wavy couch. Um, cause you know, it's just, it's part of the story of Troy where it was all about being the empath. You know, I feel pain. And then the pilot goes down. They went, Oh, we, that really doesn't work. We can't have her screaming emotions out. <laughs> what she feels. So then and it was kind of like, Oh, what are we, then there was this whole year long dive talk about shows trying to find themselves. Mm. It was this year long, you know, what are we going to do with her then? What are we, gonna, Oh, we can have her be in this. We can have her on with the first contacts and she's advising the captain. And, You know, and and she knows languages and all this, and it's like somebody finally woke up and said, "Well, she's a counselor. Why don't you show her counseling the crew?" Like, duh! (laughs) It's like two, three years for people to go. Oh, wait, she's supposed to be a counselor. Does she counsel the crew? Yes, she. It's like two years to show them. You know, and not just talking to one of the leads, going, "Well, you know." (laughs) No, how about what she does for eleven hundred people? So, yeah. That's and that's the the bit with Berkeley. There was just even as they were first, they didn't even have a set for her office until that year and those episodes. So that you know, and it was something they got into the gate late on, and yeah. as we can see, maybe not always written. <laughs> we're still did, needing uh, what layman <coughs> layman writers to write about psychology and counseling issues. <laughs> so they, that didn't always happen, but by and large, I think um, I don't know. This is a. Uh, a radical theory, I think probably lots of people would agree, but it's like her counseling got better the more the series went on and the movies and even into her her spin off appearances.
0: Uh, I agree, I agree, Larry. and um it, my my feelings here are so mixed. Um, i I think there's some some stuff that is just absolutely phenomenal about counsellor Troy. Uh, what I find so powerful and inspiring is this idea that on the flagship of the Federation, the Enterprise D in the 24th century, mental health is so important that the ship's counselor is right there front and center. Is, mm-hmm. is literally front and center on the bridge right next right. to the captain. Yeah. Or center right. Yeah, center right. Um, and uh, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that's really wonderful there um, that this uh, mental health is um, is in so many ways uh, normalized. And also by training, she's a psychologist and she's serving in many of the different roles that a psychologist does in in the military. And we can have a debate about whether Starfleet is military or not. I think uh, Pike's description of it being a peacekeeping armada is a pretty good one. A scientific peacekeeping armada. Let's go with that. But the different roles that someone who has uh, Deanna Troy's expertise, she's fulfilling those quite well. Mm-hmm. So not only is she involved in in treatments and service delivery, as we see with Barclay specifically, many times throughout the series, throughout other series as well, uh, but she also is, as you said, providing advice to Captain Picard on matters relating to culture and negotiation and understanding of different species and where they're coming from. That's a role that a lot of people with psychological expertise serve. The other role that she fulfills is with Commander Troy. Commander Troy. Commander Riker. Sometimes, oh, maybe affectionately known as Commander Troy, maybe, maybe later on. Uh, but, of well, their um, closest
1: friends, maybe, yeah.
0: Right, right, right In the yeah. beginning. In the beginning. And maybe later, too. Um, but with, with Riker, uh, the two of them work together on personnel reports and evaluation mm-hmm. of personnel. Um, that's mo- maybe most famously from our favorite Tapestry. You see that. In oh, action, yes. Tapestry. Right. Also in lower the episode, Lower Decks. Right. Right. The episode that inspired Lower Decks, Lower Decks. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You see that there. And that's a role that a lot of people with psychological mental health expertise serve as well. Uh, we see that in um, in H.R., in civilian life, but in uh, that's actually in World War One. That is what a lot of psychologists did in the United States. They um, they did a lot of assessments about w- what role different soldiers should be serving, where they should be deployed, what what branch. A lot of the assessments back then were pretty biased and racist. We can get into that as well. But that's where the relationship of, um, of psychologists moving out of academia and into practice really began. It began with World War I. Mm-hmm. And with World War II, they moved from assessment to treatment. There weren't enough psychiatrists in the country to treat all the, we didn't call it this back then, we called it shell shock, but there weren't enough psychiatrists to treat all of the um, the PTSD, the post-traumatic stress disorder that uh, uh, soldiers were coming back with. So psychologists were given more privileges to practice more of that. And then that's kind of how my whole field of clinical psychology became uh, changed forever. So I like all of those things, Larry. And I think Troy does those really well. Mm-hmm. At the same time... We see this. <laughs> Your other favorite moment, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm doing the Picard facepalm at oh, plexing. Okay. I uh, oh,
1: wait. Are we talking about like plastics and polymers when we talk about plexing?
0: <laughs> I know it sounds like it. So, okay, can I go on a Those soapbox here, apart. Larry? Can you what? I'm sorry. Can I go on a soapbox if I haven't already? Um, I don't know. You want a soapbox man get your own show. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Come join me at the psych show. Um okay, I'll will make this quick. So we see um so Barkley's dealing with some stress and anxiety and um counselor Troy talks about well there's this technique um called plexing. I I, I think it's a zoid technique.
1: Yeah, I was uh, going to say it's a bit. She says it's a zoid technique.
0: Yeah. So already does betazoid, does betazoid physiology map onto human physiology? I don't know. Um, I assume it does because she should know if plexing would work on humans, but she just kind of talks about just kind of do this and it's going to solve your problems. Um, (laughs) I think that is what's wrong with Star Trek therapy in a nutshell. Um, number one, Counselor Troy does do a good job of a lot of the basic listening skills, um, active listening skills, stuff we talked about on last week's episode. Of, um, the, I think Jared shared my video about how to listen like a therapist. She does all those skills well. Stuff but we t- talked about on last week's episode. Good reflection, Larry. I like that reflection. <laughs> um, but, re- yeah, like active listening, reflecting, all that. So she does that well. However, the techniques... Are so backwards. And, um, we see this, we'll get to this with Esri, but, um, the way that the therapeutic techniques seem to be really based on very old, like Freudian ideas. Like modern day Freudian therapists wouldn't even be doing what Counselor Troy is doing. Like, right? Um, so
1: so in their 40s and the 80s?
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the problem here is there are writers that are basing their writing of therapy based on either what they had seen from Woody Allen films, or maybe what they had experienced. But we had really effective treatments, even at that time for anxiety based disorders, like what what Barkley has, and we don't see those. And we also don't see any imagination of what future therapy could look like. We don't really see the holodeck used, right? Like, like, yeah, like we have dermal regenerators. What's the mental health equivalent here? Mm-hmm. Um, in the terms of medication, that should be way more advanced um we already have medications that can kind of loosen up memories for you like available right now mm-hmm. and like where's the 24th century equivalent of that right now we already use VR therapy we use that in in a wide variety of problems we use that in all, um in problems that are uh very difficult to replicate um it's used heavily in the military to treat trauma it's also used in um in civilian life as well VR therapy is so common now. And you're saying VR, virtual reality. Virtual reality, yeah. Yeah. Star Trek has a lot better stuff. They've got the holodeck.
1: Why isn't... You're
0: talking about baby steps holography, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we see that with other forms of training, like weapons training. Um, I I think Riker does that in in that scene where... Or I Mm -hmm. forget who's doing that, but they're doing phaser target practice. Like, why don't we see more advanced mental health techniques in um in Star Trek. It, it it seems like such a failure of imagination. Why Troy both frustrates me and um I'm so inspired by her. She has such an important role and yet the methods she uses are so ineffective, antiquated, and unimaginative. So for me, watching it as as a psychologist now, what frustrates me is it perpetuates this idea that therapy might be a lot of talking, but it's not a lot of effective stuff. That's Mm -hmm. what frustrates me about Troy.
1: So you're wishing they got back to that really high-tech, you know, on the the cutting edge of therapy like the woo-woo-woo-woo neural neutralizer machine.
0: From the 23rd scene. <laughs> I would like to see... If I could write my fa- my own um, therapist for... I don't know what the next ship is that we're going to see. I don't know. The Titan. I, no, we're not going to see the Titan. I don't know. We're, we'll see some new Federation ship in Star Trek Picard Season 2. Whenever that's filmed. <laughs> um, but what I'd like to see is someone who is a good listener. Like Troy. Someone who's very compassionate. Like Troy but someone who is also using really imaginative uh, techniques. Give me some new technology, yes, Larry, but I want that to be grounded in um, in ideas of what's effective mm-hmm. right now. We have very effective forms of treatment for um, a wide variety of problems, and we can talk about that in more detail if people want to hear about that. Or and I will go into more detail on the counselor's log. But, Wait, the counselor's um, log? It's as
1: if we plunged into the briefing room here and didn't put up the title.
0: I did not put up – oh, my gosh. Everything's all wibbly-wobbly Because we've
1: got some – I was um, going to say
0: got some new folks
1: this week. They're popping up in the chat, so it's good to see everybody there. We, we will get back into the chat. We've kind of – you can tell this is a topic near and dear to Dr. Ali because we like, whoom, forget the structure of the show. Whoom, let's get going. <laughs> that's true. That's fine. That's true. I just wanted to acknowledge every, we've got several new folks over here and – uh and we are talking about Trekkie references here in the briefing room, and then eventually we're going to get to uh, the counselor's log where Dr. Ali gets to some real psychological bits, and then uh, – what am I missing? Something. And then we get to the away team. The K-3? Yeah,
0: yes. K-3? No, we we first go to K K-3 earlier. Well,
1: I, I'll think about K-3 down the line. That's a small part <laughs> of everything, but the big chunks are uh, this and the away mission. So yeah, so let's – so everybody keep – But, 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 but I, I,
0: I have some very nice things to say about Troy. I have some, um, if I haven't said them already. As things move forward, Larry, I think things do get better. So starting with uh, Pathfinder.
1: Um, her writers, not her herself. <laughs> it's, like, it's like everything else in Star well, Trek. Do we blame the character, the actress, or the writer? You know, Marina has
0: said this herself uh, many times on Star Trek uh, uh, conventions. She's mentioned that they really based her on very old ideas of what therapy is. And um, I think as times move forward, like in Pathfinder, in Star Trek Voyager, when she's continuing to help Barkley, um, when he tracks her down, when she's on vacation at the beach and says, I need your help, uh, this, what I like here is... She has obviously established a relationship that, that makes Barkley feel very safe around her. That Barkley seeks her out. And this is, this actually happens all the time, Larry, is if you find a connection with a the therapist you like, you want mm-hmm. to continue working with them, even if they move away. And nowadays it's a little bit easier because there's now, now we have so much virtual therapy. I mean, Larry, this is the other thing, like, we have all this like online telehealth therapy now. It's already more advanced now than what we saw with with Troy um mm-hmm. <laughs> on uh, on the Enterprise D. But I love that Berk uh, Berkeley. I love that Broccoli no, I'm kidding. That last one was that was that was okay. uh, that was okay. Yeah. Um uh, but I love that Barkley seeks her out. And I, I think he's getting more effective help from Troy. Um, and, uh, I'm gonna jump ahead just a little bit. The most beautiful, meaningful, emotional counseling I see with Troy we saw this year. And that mm-hmm. is with, um, Picard. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Star Trek Picard. Again, um, out of uniform. They're not on a ship. They're long out of their roles. I, w- I remember watching that episode play out and we're all, s- I mean, every, you can't watch Nepenthe, that episode, without smiling at the reunion, yeah. at seeing everybody back together, at seeing them be so meta, because the actors are that way with each other anyway, much less their characters. And as they're sliding along with this plot, and you're you're catching all the backstory and all the incredible things about the Rikers being married and their kids and the tragedy of one dying – spoilers if you haven't seen the card, sorry <laughs> – but it just effort, effortlessly gets into – here's Soji – and then picard himself and it's and you're watching the show and going oh my god this is my reaction i'm like oh my god she's counseling him oh mm. it's it's like she just slid into it which is what a friend who is a count you know a friend would do much less a friend who is a counselor but when you had this formal relationship that you've been out of for 20 years or whatever it's been but i just remember thinking oh my god she's counseling him and then i went oh my God, the writers are doing an incredible job here and they're doing an incredible job bringing it across because they just slid effortlessly. And then I was like, you, I'm like, I think that's the best counseling she's ever done because it was so so um, unaffected. It wasn't like, and now I'm going, oh, counselor, would you listen to my problems and tell me what I should, you know. And she's counseling Soji too, although it gets a, a typical reaction when somebody who doesn't want to be or doesn't know they're even in counseling um, suddenly realizes what's going on and rejects it because they have to go process, you know, or they're not in a trust situation. She yeah. has that moment. We all think of that with the card, but I was rewatching it last night. She has a couple of minutes with Soji first where Soji's yeah. like, yes. come on, counselor. I can't, here's, here's my life. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. How the hell am I supposed to trust anybody? I can't trust you, much less anybody else and gets up and stomps off. You know, and slams Picard and all that. So she actually was counseling earlier without yeah. much success, but at least lay, laying the foundation before she lays into her old friend there. That we all, yeah. I mean, but yes, we all thought, wow, what a what an incredible scene. And I felt so, just as a person, I felt so good for Marina. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, look, yeah. Finally, got a good. You know, she's not in uniform. She's not in her little office, but um, and she's not got crazy person tracking her down at the beach, but. <laughs> She or, oops, and she's also not
0: floating in space.
1: I said crazy person. Oops, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Night terrors. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> anyway, I, guess uh, I felt um, good there's the show. there's another aspect to that, Larry, that I think is quite realistic, which is uh, the role of mental health experts in in the military. Again, uh, there's there's a lot more what what we call dual relationships. Dual relationships are, are things where you're the uh, the person's therapist, but maybe you're also their friend. You're their um, psychologist, but you also um, you live next to them, um, and you might have a neighborly relationship as well. In civilian life, we try to avoid and minimize dual relationships in every way possible because they can make you less objective in therapy, and they can also introduce right. ethical conflicts. Um, so we try to avoid those at all costs. On starships and submarines and boats and in uh, far off deployment, you might be the only mental health person for this large community of people. Now, um, I think the Enterprise D and certainly Deep Space Nine have more than one counselor, but many small ships might not have any. And if they do, they probably only have one. I was remembering last
1: night, you know, prepping for this, that uh, when when Esri had her had her DAX forced on her when she became a trill without prep, uh, a join trill without prep, she was the assistant counselor on the Destiny, and I realized that we yeah. never got a formal canon explanation of what how big a ship Destiny was, but yeah. it felt like in the mentions that it wasn't the biggest of ship classes. So I'm thinking, well, if the Destiny has an assistant counselor, that implies at least two. So, mm-hmm. you know, then that should mean. I. It's like, did the D with eleven 1, hundred people have a second assistant counselor running around somewhere? Or I, I don't know. I think but,
0: I, I think so. So the assistant counselor. What uh, the way I understood that is. Or uh, did have a counselor
1: as it set out with its full crew before the right. before the caretaker? Right. I think probably at that point says something. She doesn't say we lost our counselor like we lost our CMO. She says we don't have it. we you know, we didn't. We never had a counselor. So you know yeah. and there're only about 100 people 100 forget what the original 120 i think so
0: yeah yeah um one of these days someone should program um program that into a future version of the EMH um <laughs> i um the way i understood esri is she was probably she was in training and and that's something that a lot of therapists uh, they go through when when you're in training you have different placements where you're working underneath a uh an established counselor who's licensed who's experienced and you're learning from them they're supervising you and so my guess is in starfleet therapists and training do go on these placements on different ships for six months a year and they work under someone who is much more established and then they might go on to a different starship and they might specialize you might have therapists that are specializing in like first contact kind of uh, missions or far off remote missions, like long five year mission uh, kind of things. Um, right. Or those who are more combat like focused, um, just like in the way you have therapists right now. And then she was kind of plucked out of that and then promoted um, way too quickly. But um, Troy is walking through her dual relationships right there. She's a captain's friend She's also the captain's counselor. She also um, is, uh, um, hasn't seen him in so long. And all of those different relationships she has are playing out in that moment, which is definitely something that happens to any therapist that is in the military. You're eating in the same mess hall. As everyone else, and you might be the only therapist there. You have to kind of be friends, but also kind of be everyone's therapist, and you have to walk those lines. Troy walks those lines very well. And um, yeah, I, I love I love where he goes, and I'm so happy that Marina got that wonderful scene in Picard. Um, which brings us to Ezri <laughs> uh. <laughs> so uh larry I'm, I'm curious about your take um and comment section we have not we have not forgotten about you um we're gonna come back to you in a moment um i think esri is gonna you just got let him tip. work
1: through this guys that's yeah all I, ga- I
0: got i got i gotta get this stuff off my chest um i promise after esri it's not that emotional for me we got one more person to talk about but um give me your take larry on esri as a therapist what what's what's your take OK, Back well, track. so
1: before um, I somehow got to the first 30 or something years of my life uh, without a lot of involvement in mental health issues and things, pretty bland, vanilla life for the most part, aside from, you know, occasional, especially in college when you start meeting different people and all that. But it was like becoming a instant dad and a blended father, blended family father and things with kids, not not because of a blended family, but just different people so that's when I really got familiar a couple of the issues the kids were going through got it's a big life of transition yeah well yo, know, it was for me and I tried to realize it just on my own terms but really what thrust me into mental health big time was um, some of the issues some of the kids were having when they were smaller and I a lot of a lot of the just I don't want to say Pollyanna but just a lot of the placeholder impressions of psychologists in the mental health field and the reality of how that plays out with going to sessions and therapy and finding a doctor and medications and all kind. And the state, this is in the nineties. So the state of it then, you know, and I, I, had, I had, it was a wake up call to the reality and the good and the bad of just like where our theme is today. Um, that it wasn't just this, Oh, here's a thing. And we're so modern and up to date now that we've got all, you know, it's not the old days. We have all this stuff figured out. No. <laughs> and how things are not, you can have all the theory and all the publication, all the academics and all the research in the world, but it still comes down to, a one, like you said, a one-to-one relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't even – hadn't even been out on my own enough really to even think about finding a doctor, a medical doctor, much less a psychologist. But sometimes even that's a hard fit to find or you can find some that are better for you than others. Uh, you know, a dentist, much less a psychologist.
0: Oh, yeah. So, any, any, anyone in healthcare—it's—it's it's hard to find someone that right. you really connect with.
1: So when I'm watching, so the first time through with with DS9, it was actually it was the—you uh, know—I shouldn't say that. I was my early years of being married and being in just dad water dad, as I used to say it. Um, but as far as Esri goes, it's the seventh year of the series. They're in the middle of the Dominion War. It's sad that uh, that Terry's gone, and they killed off Jadzia. And while we didn't wallow in it then the way we would do now with 24-7 social media going on, we were aware of it. There was some mystery about why she was going. She was going – Terry was going right into a sitcom called Becker. So we knew she was out, but we didn't know exactly, and so there was some discomfort. Right. But in, in true to form, they were keeping it you know kind of under wraps. And bang, here's right. the new person, and everybody's all upbeat about it. And I'm on the lot and I'm working. And I remember I did the first interview with, with Nikki. You know, it was like in her new trailer. And they were like, oh, go, we did a cover story on the communicator about her. And, um, I went over and did, if not the first, one of the first, but I think maybe the first, you know, full blown interview. She'd been acting before and it had some roles in some, in a Canadian show. I forget the name of it, but, um, so it was all about her and the character, but everybody was well aware. Wow. They're bringing this new, a replacement in the last year of a series is a tough thing to pull off for the actor, yeah. for the yes. writers, for the other cast. And on that level, I thought it was wonderful. And they integrated her. It's like they, they were integrating her at the same time they were having episodes that didn't even use the regulars, you know, famously, uh, um, uh, Paper Moon. And, you know, with, with, we've talked about that with Nog and, and, and Vic Fontaine and the regulars are all like sidelined, which was kind of a radical idea, just
0: producing. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah.
1: So it almost makes like having a brand new regular the last season, not that, but it is. It is. So anyway, so my mind was really on all those issues. And I gotta, I gotta admit to you <laughs> that sitting there and critiquing Esri as a counselor was not like high on my list of things to yeah. critique character over. So. Yeah. I don't have a lot to say about that. I, I could go back and watch now, but I'm going to have to lean to you. That's what that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> that I wasn't paying attention. I was looking at the 47 other things going on with the character besides her counseling technique. Except that I thought that it was interesting. You know, they there was a counselor on DS9 before Esri. Yes, yes. Doctor. They, there's like one reference to you should go see Doctor Telnori, who we never <laughs> yeah. we don't even know what species it is, much less anything. So they did have one to the whole point of do they have a – just like as Lower Decks was going along, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if the Cerritos is big enough to have yeah. a counselor, yeah. which was answered this week. Yeah. But uh, – so they did have a counselor. Once Starfleet arrived, yay, modern psychology uh, kids. And um, so I was I was intrigued that of all the roles they could have Ezri play, that they decided on a counselor's – Niche for that, and then to have her be as amateur at not amateur, but as young to counseling as she is at being a joint trill, which just was character texture. You know, that's what they're going to play with. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, my so, experience, that's... my experience actually, Larry, is quite similar to yours. Um, I've seen um, DS9 beginning to end um, two times in my life. Once. As it was airing, but in, in, during that time, I think I missed the first few seasons and that was actually well before I was, a a therapist or a psychologist. I wasn't even anywhere near training at that time. You were born a psychologist. (laughs) I am born with a pen and pad in my hand. (laughs) Um, no, I was quite far away from that. Um, the first time I watched Deep Space Nine, I was quite more focused on how are these larger arcs going to resolve themselves. And Ezri is introduced in the context of Cisco trying to figure out what's happening. And so you kind of go on that ride with Esri... And I felt very similarly as, as you did. Um, I wasn't quite focused on the development of this character. And then as, as Vix is introduced, I was like, why are they introducing another thing here? Like, let's, let's stick to the big picture, folks. We got a war we need to resolve. We have, uh, Cisco's journey to, to kind of complete here. And what are you doing with Ducat? Oh my gosh. Um, season seven of DS9 felt like such whiplash at times when I first watched it. On the repeat watch, which I did, uh, three, three years ago, two, three years ago, ah. uh, where I d- did it beginning to end again, um, what, w- I noticed it a lot more. And at that time, I'm also now a licensed clinical psychologist. I have a lot of experience doing all this sort of stuff. And at you that point, corrupt. what's that? I've been corrupted. Yeah. <laughs> um, with this watch, Ezri's character really stuck out to me in, in many ways. Um there were some uh there's some good, there's some bad, and there's some like ugly moments with her character that I really didn't like. And I think the the one that um that really frustrates me, you know, Starfleet is uh, <laughs> lower decks actually explains this well that we're Starfleet officers. Um we might be lower deckers. But we're we are we're really good at what we do. We're well-trained. Everyone here um, has a job to do, and they do it well. That's what Starfleet's all about. And um, up to this point, most of our regulars were actually good at their jobs. Um, no one ever questioned Bashir's medical abilities. They might mm-hmm. question his ethics. In doing experimental treatments on patients, he gets too close to. There's that stuff. We might question decisions that people make. You can we can spend hours debating Cisco in uh, in the pale moonlight. Did he make the right decision? Um, but we don't really question their abilities. When you send O'Brien to go fix something, you know it's going to get fixed. Um, my problem with Esri is she really seemed like the first character who didn't really know what she was doing. With her job. Like, she wasn't good at her job. And we see this specifically. Uh, you dug up a nice image um, about this, uh, Larry, with uh, Garrick. Mm-hmm. So, Garrick is dealing with claustrophobia. It's your favorite scene. It's, oh my gosh. <laughs> your favorite episode. <laughs> this episode <laughs> grinds my gears. Uh, after image, after image, yes. And, and it's been actually set up in previous episodes. When, um, it's, I remember it most specifically in the episode where Garrick, mm-hmm. Bashir, and Warf. They're in the
1: Dominion prison camp, the yes. internment camp, yeah.
0: Yes, and Garak has to work in those close quarters and he's trying to, uh, I forget what he's doing. He's trying to tech the tech, I think. That's what they're, he's trying They're to trying to, do to there.
1: get a signal out, they're trying to escape. Yes. Yeah.
0: And, yes. Yeah. They're setting up this, um, his, his anxiety about being in, in closed spaces where he can't escape. Very real condition. With actually a very real treatment. Um, I've done a lot of exposure therapy and helping people learn how to be in these situations, how to cope with them, how to navigate them. It's, it's a very much a treatable problem. Um, but what, what frustrates me about Esri in that moment is, uh, she's completely unprepared to, uh, to support Garrick. And it's very hard for me to believe, Larry, that given the 24th century, being an assistant uh, counselor, that she wouldn't, number one, be able to look up what's the effective treatment for this, because we already have this. We've already had this for decades. It also, to me, seems very irresponsible to put someone who is, as Spock would say, emotionally compromised in a role where she has to support the emotional mental health of mm-hmm. other people. We don't do that now. If I am really struggling and overwhelmed because I've just been joined with a symbiote that is like, and I need time to figure all this stuff out, maybe I shouldn't be actively serving in a role where I have to support other people's emotions. So from the, from the technique standpoint, it doesn't hold up to me. From the ethics standpoint, it doesn't hold up to me. Um, number three, I think this is something that people have been discussing a little bit in the comments section, that um, she makes it about her. She makes the treatment about her own challenges, her own um, anxieties. And a good therapist never makes a treatment ever about them. It's not about you. It's about the person you're trying to help. And strike number four, Larry, for me, I just don't buy it as a Starfleet officer. Everyone in Star Trek is really good at what they do. That's one of the most inspiring things to me about Starfleet. I just do not buy that they would do this. And to me, strike number five, it gets back to my concern about Next Generation, is we're uplifting mental health as this important part about the ship. But we might be perpetuating stereotypes and stigma about mental health by showing a therapist who clearly does not know what they're doing. And it might make people think that this is what therapy is actually like. I said, having piece, just Larry,
1: rewatched that episode last night or most of it, can I just say, please, yes to everything you just said, and that was the point.
0: If nothing- Larry, why do you do this? Why do you say things that make me see things in complete new light? Almost as if you are Doctor Trek. Okay, it's almost as please. if I was not a fake doctor. No, (laughs) please, 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 please.
1: No, it's like there is a scene where I guess from the counselor's point of view, if you are so at wit's end as a counselor that your patient calls out your biggest flaw, which Garrick does. Garrick isn't just lashing out at her out of pain and claustrophobia and anger and all that. He looks at her and says, you're totally messed up. What right do you have to sit here and talk to me? I mean, he's insulted almost. Yeah. Beyond the fact that she's a Starfleet counselor, he's a civilian. You know, oh, look, we're all one big happy family here on DS9 because we're all isolated and off together. Plus, now it's a war. We're not the station at the end of the universe. We're, yeah. we're, um, right. you know, we're at war. We're at Now we're on a, now we're the Casablanca here. We're the crossroads. <laughs> and I've never uh, thought about it in
0: that sense, but I love that.
1: You never thought about DS9 as a Casablanca? No,
0: but I totally see it. I totally see it. I, I've No, this is what Larry does, folks. Um, I think Libby is right. I think you are. You, I want to. I want to f- uh, feel your ear right now because you might be possessed by some kind of paw wraith. Um, you, you have this way of making me see things in a new light. Um, I because never thought so, about it.
1: Well, then, yay! <laughs> Very good, <laughs> Padawan. Very good, Cadet. <laughs>
0: You're crossing the (laughs) streams.
1: No, but so yeah, so the point of the story is yes, this is textured out trivia in a psych Mm -hmm. way here now. Yes, she's a mess up right now. He calls and number one, her patient calls her out on it, and it's obvious, and everybody you know, but that's how far gone she is. And everybody else is running around fighting a war. They're not worried about what their new junior little psychologist is doing. They've got a war to fight. And Cisco's got a messed up head of, you know, his own thing and everybody's got their own yeah. stuff they're dealing with. And in a yeah. meta way, they should all go, whoa, wait a minute. We're under a lot of stress here. We should, we should make sure that our new counselor is at their best. And if there's something that they're, you know, but then you got the drama, not just made up TV drama, but that happens in real, things don't go by the book in real life, especially yeah. when there's a crisis going on. There's a war going on. And you know, Jadzia, it's on one hand, she's she's not, it's not like they went, oh, we've got a, uh, now I'm trying to remember if he says we've got a counselor opening or what. See, it's like, what drove this? I, I think he
0: says we have some kind of counselor opening okay. slash, Dax, I can't lose you. I need you in my life.
1: That's what I'm saying. Is it a fact yeah. that they have a slot open as a counselor or it's Cisco feeling vulnerable without a Dax at his side? Yeah. Uh, Nathaniel up above, way at the beginning here, we haven't dipped into the chat match. But we, I said something about McCoy and Kirk, and you know, counseling the commander. And Nathaniel very early said, as in Dax to Cisco, that the informal count, you know, Dax was the science officer, but she was counseling him because she's three hundred years old and knew him in a past life. Yes, And yes. so it's that it's kind of like an R H I P rank has its privileges thing here, where Cisco is like, I want a da-. just like Kirk says, I want a Vulcan as my science officer. Slash, maybe, buddy in motion picture because that's what he's used to and that's his comfort zone. And he's trying to project his old thing into a new situation, which wouldn't have been the same if he'd had Sonak there on the no. bridge, right? No. I mean, on motion right. picture. Well, same way, Cisco had no idea just having the next asked host might have been a plumber. It's, I'm sorry, we've got O'Brien. We don't need you, but I want you here anyway. Yeah. You know, they've got not, they've got <clears throat> ROM, much less. O'Brien. So he's got it's like is is Esri really there because of the counseling need or because of the Dax need for Cisco and it one okay so it's both. But that's what's overlapping her, you know, it's kind of like I'm not fully trained. I don't care. I'm I'm not used to being joined yet. I don't care, you know. So that's overriding everything. So now you're in a situation where just just go do your job. You know, we'll worry about you being kidnapped and made a hostage and, and being thrown into the war and having to pick up a gun and fight in a battle. We'll worry about that later. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Just go do your little DS ninety job. Yeah. And she comes back, and goes, Oh, I'm such a fuck and he's like, Get it together, man or woman yeah. or whatever, you know? So Yeah, I, I, I
0: think that's that's I'm a good sorry. Read.
1: I am sorry, Ali, that everything is not by the book here in the middle of a wartime situation on the front line. It's the Casablanca, you can laugh once again, the Casablanca <laughs> of, the, of the war. <laughs> So, yes.
0: Very good points. Very good points. Um, Heidi says, Is it making people see a thing in a different light what a good therapist should help you to do? And you're absolutely right, Heidi. And that's what would Larry her see herself in a new light, in a different light. Larry consistently does this for me with Star Trek. You are my Star Trek therapist, Larry. Wow. Uh, you are my Dr. Trek, uh, quite literally. <laughs> and, uh, I think you're right here. Um, uh there there is something to be said about wartime deployment and in uh, we have real life and fictional examples in we have real life examples with mental health and we have fictional examples in Star Trek where people are being deployed or promoted in a wartime crisis situation mm-hmm. and they might not be ready for it but we have slots that we need to fill and hey If it makes Cisco feel better to have an old colleague and friend with him, and Dax is really just serving the purpose of being Cisco's own personal therapist, then fine. I think Starfleet would be like, "Whatever helps, Ben. Let's give it to him. We need him to be in tip-top shape." You know. um, So how did far
1: beyond? How did? Pale Moonlight happened. Then it's funny if he's got his own personal therapist to win the war. Then yay! And then we've got Pale Moonlight happening. So
0: it's <laughs> a whole. That's a whole other episode. She's a junior uh, got, counselor, still learning her. Yeah, it's like oh look. There's one more therapist I want to talk about, and she's actually one of my favorites for another reason. And this is Admiral Cornwall from Star Trek Discovery. Cornwall. Uh, Cornwell, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm off my game here today, Larry. Um, Cornwell, and um, it's been a week, Ali. It's we're all. Oh, all. Yes, yes, it has. Um, we're all filling
1: our new joined trillness this week. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that is absolutely <laughs> true.
0: The um, this she actually only she only really has one scene where you see her do some type of counseling, and it's this scene right over here. However, um, I love her character. I, I really um, I love her journey. I love her arc. I love how she approaches things. Um, one of the things that I love about her is she has moved up from mm-hmm. being a counselor to being an admiral. And I love this idea that in Starfleet, there are many pathways to the admiralty. There are many <coughs> pathways and many jobs that are um, uh, that Starfleet really values and will move you up. We see that with Counselor Troy in the Next Generation when she's going for her bridge officer's training, and uh, you mentioned that a few weeks ago, Larry, where um, uh, Troy was helping Riker, and then Riker's helping Troy later on with yeah. with the bridge officer's training. Years and apart. yeah, yeah, very uh, yeah, and I love that that kind of bookending um, that time together on TNG. Um not only is it a beautiful scene where Cornwell really helps this other person who's struggling with their mental health in that moment. Um, and it shows that like mental health doesn't have to be a long, big thing. Sometimes just a few meetings with someone can mm-hmm. be enough to help them. Yeah. yeah. Um, it can kind of put you on the right path, which is what I think we see with lower decks. It's comical, but the lower decks therapist does give, the guidance that does then help this character to do the thing themselves, but the other part I love about Cornwell is um, she is in a position of leadership, and um, no one's no one's saying like <clears throat> she's a, she's a therapist. Like why are we listening to her? She's not a real admiral. She's not a real admiral. Yes. Yeah. None of that is on the plate. Um, I, I, I really love her character for a lot of reasons. And then obviously, like, where her character ends up and what she does for everyone. Um, I love her character.
1: Well, and then to throw this in, I, yeah, I love the way, and that scene starts, I, I remember that episode going by, and it's it's all, you know, poor Discovery, it's so wrapped up in the whole serialized storytelling, and that's okay. <laughs> but it's all, you know, by then it's all about the red angel and the suit, and oh my god, and the, what's this all mean? And in the middle of all that, they're still trying to tell the the, the Colburn Stamets, the stabber, the Colmer <clears throat> relationship story, and this wacky sci-fi, you know, to Helen back kind of thing to to mycelial and back. <laughs> and he's wandering around the ship, and he wanders into her—not wanders, but he comes into her room. And the way that scene opens up that we just showed, he goes. Uh, I hear you are a counselor, and she says, I used to be a, th-. she says something like, I used to be a therapist. And she yeah. does say it like, you know, like it's some Western words like, well, I used to be a gunfighter, but I lost my nerve. <laughs> it's, it's not like that. She's like, it's, you instantly get it that she's gone on and trained and has yeah. a much broader, but you never, you know, you you can't take the counselor out of the counselor kind of a thing. No. It's just like, no, no, it's no. just like Troy in Nepenthe. It's like she instantly goes back into that muscle set, you know, that toolbox and goes back to it. You can't do it all your life without doing it. And that's what I loved about that scene was not that just that she did it and that they wrote a scene like that, but that they had a character that not only rose from counseling ranks into command into the flag ranks. But then could like go, well, it's not like she forgot it or, oh, I'm so I'm so rusty at doing this. No, she just kind of sat down and what the moment needed. Yeah. That was that. Now I would also argue though that we saw her do this more than once, mm. only though informally. And in a typical muddied Star Trek way, especially a muddy discovery way, when she comes in to check on Lorca before they all realize he's a mere universe, Lorca. Remember? And they actually reignite their their as lovers uh... and they stick and all through that whole arc of her checking on him that little moment in that episode. She comes to check on him to see what the hell's up with him. Has he lost it? In a counselor-ish way. And then when they talk, they reignite their old passion. They sleep together. And then right. she's freaked out when she's like, wait, it's like, who is this fake? You know, she starts to get it that this is a fake before we right. know exactly, except we know something is going on. Um, and, and, uh, I kept thinking he'd been like recruited by third, Section Thirty-One. I didn't think about the mirror universe thing until it was in your face. But she knows something is <laughs> until up. it was
0: the mirror reflection, the evil mirror reflection. I was like, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> well, he had
1: the scars on his. He had the different scars on his back that she's freaked out yeah. about. All that.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's what it's probably what been two or it's been at least a year or two since she's seen him physically. But anyway, yeah. um, but I would say that in that way she's. She starts to dance down the road of using counselor techniques to see what's up with him as a commanding officer and then yeah it all gets muddy when they go back and reignite their personal relationship but then she kind of snaps back into it then when he is acting bizarre whether she's interacting with him or not definitely her counselor skills are going when she's trying to figure out what the hell's going on with him you know what i mean
0: yep yep i i, I agree In a
1: strategic way for her benefit
0: yeah, uh, um, Jamal says that, uh, Corn, Cornwell was a mixed bag, total fail and not recognizing Lorca, but did well with Ghost Doctor, didn't deserve to go out, uh, the way she did. Jamal, I would say that, um, the way she went out was, uh, um, honorable, um, and, and definitely is a testament to how much she cares about the crew. I do hope we get to see more of her, maybe in Strange New Worlds. Um, that would be, that would be great. Uh, she's a great character, a uh, great actor and, um, I think the whole her not recognizing Lorca is is wrapped up with a lot of the other stuff Discovery was dealing with season one behind the scenes and uh, and and all that. Uh, but I'm glad I'm glad we had her. Larry, we had outlined other characters to talk about who serve in um, therapist (laughs) kind of roles but are not quite therapists. Do you want to do a quick uh, – I'm
1: keeping – I know we had a late start, everybody. We were like 15 minutes late starting the show or getting into it. So we're running a little late. I actually – Ali, since we were a little late, I have – I need to get out as close to noon as I can today. Let's – We're going to – we need gonna, to get going, but we've got so many more things to talk about.
0: We got. Let's go warp speed then, and then um, we're going to do a warp speed uh, counselors log, and then jump to K three. Um, how about that? So um, the counselors log is when we do. Usually, it's a deeper dive into the psychology <laughs> and the science behind what we're talking You've about. You've been doing it all along, though. I've this been doing it all along. For yeah, you. yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. It's hard for me to. I can't untangle. I can't. Unravel the tapestry that is good and bad it's a therapy.
1: Bad day for
0: bad therapy. <laughs> oh, folks, that was you. Just experienced a um, a reference to tapestry and then an impression back to back. Jared must be um, uh, jumping up and down with excitement right now. Um, there we go. Have, combination live have sport
1: live and Ozzy Osbourne fan club reunion. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, folks, I'm just going to go through um, a-, a quick checklist. I have a video called um, Signs You're Getting Bad Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And um, not everyone goes to see a cognitive behavioral therapist. There's different forms of therapy. But there are a few things that I want you to look out for, for signs that maybe this is not a real good fit. And then when we get to, I'm going to do a very quick away mission later, which is about where you might want to start to get help. So number one, your therapy is mysterious. What I mean by this is it's very unclear what the therapist is doing, what you should be doing, and how this works, what makes it effective. Your therapy should always have some type of goal, and you should know what that goal is. What are we working on? How do I work on it? And how do I get better? Those are things that should be pretty clear and transparent to you from the outset of therapy. And if they're not, you should ask these questions like, how am I going to get better? What do I have to do to get better? And what experience do you have working on these kind of problems? Um, number, number two is um, you're not really developing any new skills. Every therapy should be helping you to develop some type of new skill. Does it mean every week you're going to learn about plexing? But it <laughs> does mean that um, you're developing new built abilities over time. Whether it's about learning different ways to um, cope with anxiety or learning what do you do when you are experiencing depression. Or when you feel like you might have been rejected from a group of people trying to understand what happened and how you can approach that situation maybe a little bit differently in the future. Um, You should always be working on some type of new skills. And then the last thing is that your therapy doesn't have any type of homework. Um, What I mean by homework is some way for you to continue the work you're doing with your therapist outside of therapy. At best, you see your therapist for 50 minutes a week. At worst, it might be less time than that and not every week. So you don't have a lot of time with this person. But one of the things that this person should be helping you to do is helping you to learn how you can continue this work on your own. I always would tell people, I only see you for an hour a week. You have most of your life is outside of this office. So here's how I want you to practice this this week so you can actually start to make progress. When you go to see a coach, when you're working on uh, learning a musical instrument, they always give you exercises that you need to do on your own so you can practice and get better. Therapy is no different. In Mm -hmm. fact, I would tell a lot of people, I'm just like a coach. I help, I know how to get you from A to B. Or a piano teacher. Or a piano teacher. Yeah. I know how to get you from A (laughs) to B. But I can't go on that, on that field in game day. I can't play the game for you. I'm going to teach you what you need to know. We're going to work together. We're going to learn the stuff here, and then you have to practice it on your own. I can so only therapy... give you the bad metaphors once a week. You have to. <laughs> I can only give you the bad food metaphors once a week. So um, if you want to learn more about that, check out my video on um, – Signs you're getting bad, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Maybe someone can share that in the comments. It has a lot more details there. But Larry, let's jump in. We're going warp speed here. Let's jump into the K3 factor. This is, um, this is where you do a deep dive into, um, some aspect of the canon.
1: And, and this is a, this is a deep dive that may not be as deep as it used to be. The last, I was looking at the date. So the Blu rays came out in 2014 for season six of Next Generation. But until then, this was a big, huh, moment for some people that were paying attention. But a lot of people, so the very famous, celebrated Scotty episode on Next Generation Relics, which was such a, you're talking about Nepenthe. Okay, well, the Nepenthe of Next Generation, they had two or three moments. The whole point was, you know, there was no bloody A, B, or C, or D. You had the original cast and then the Next Gen cast. And having McCoy in the pilot was a big deal. And everybody was like, when will Kirk or Spock be in the Next Generation, if you're in real-time viewing of this? And so before Spock, uh, before Spock was, well, actually after Spock was there, but there was also the Scotty show where they got James Doohan into Next Generation with the transporter loop and genius plot. Ron Moore wrote yeah. it. So number one, a fan, you know, fan wrote the thing. Yeah. And everybody originally, everybody in the Next Gen cast got a spotlight scene with he's mostly with Geordi, the two engineers, yeah. but everybody had a moment with him. And Picard's is especially memorable because they walk in a holodeck of the original series bridge, and that was a whole thing unto itself. Making it, and then everybody going, "Oh my god!" And the story of how they made it, and all of that, was wonderful. And at the end, they come up with the de- spoilers. They came up with a decision. They give him a shuttle and just let him go, find himself, and have fun. Because yes. he, he's a century. He's a century out of time. Right. He's still. Yes. That's that's the point of the episode. Is he a, is he a relic, or is he still a viable person? And they come up yes. with for his. For his mental health, he's a viable person. Well, along that path, the last scene is everybody wishing him by, and he goes over and he kisses Troy. And the viewer in the moment said, Right. Why is he kissing Troy goodbye? Did, we, did he ever see her? And if you watch <laughs> yeah. the episode in 1992 or 3, he didn't. Because yeah. the aired episode had to cut. I read was reading last night. The show was eight minutes long. They had to cut. Which uh. is not a problem anymore. But back in the old days... Yeah. Shows had to be for time. So anyway, but I knew I had the script anyway. I'd never seen the footage, but I knew what the scene was. It was awesome. And as of the Blu-rays, now this is not quite such a deep dive because if you've got the Blu-rays, the deleted scenes, you can see the scene. But I've got a still here. It's a yeah. wonderful scene because Troy goes into – LaFord says you should go see – and this is off my screen. I didn't have my Blu-ray player set up to make a clip. LaFord says or he he they tell him to go see somebody about feeling or no he doesn't he's in his quarters and she comes to see him to help him with his adjustment you know in her good counselor way wow what a shock you must have been through and of course she's beautiful he's all playing the you know
0: the scottish the original gentleman. series scottish yes yes yeah yes. yeah
1: yeah <laughs> hey linda um he's he's like thrilled to see her this beautiful lass comes to see him and talk to him and she's talking they're just chatting about my god what a shock you've been through and fine and she at one point she'd said hi i'm the ship's counselor blah, blah 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 well that's not terminology he's used to hearing and he's still kind of swept up by her and he's talking along and some of i don't know how many everybody if if you've seen the scene then yeah you know what i'm doing here but if you haven't seen it a lot i think a lot of our folks probably hadn't had a chance to or it's it's lost in the shuffle of all the deleted scenes out there, but it's great for our topic today because here's an old school, um, you know, it's kind of a metaphor for today. Here's an old school aging member of this organization, which Starfleet, mm-hmm. from a time when something newfangled came along. It's like when the ag school trained farm researchers fanned out in the dust bowl to try to teach farmers the new ways of farming. And all the old farmers that have been doing it for 40 years are like, I don't need some whippersnapper out of college to come tell me how to do my job. I don't know where that came from, but it, that's like the first thing I thought of here. Here's Scotty who'd not had a counselor on his ship. Um, the moment she starts prying and probing a little bit and he's like, wait a minute, what, did, what exactly does a counselor do? And she says, well, I help you blah, 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 blah. And he goes like. You're a psychologist. I don't need a psychologist. And he
0: he
1: does the whole thing about I don't need this, I don't just like Mariner does in Lower Decks. I don't need therapy. Right. Um, And you know, he does. He he needs some help. Whether therapy means I'm going to be going an hour for twenty years and I'm a Mr. Carlin and I never get any better, Bob Newhart show reference. Or or whether it's a one-off, like we see Culber get with with uh, Cornwell, whatever you know, whatever the need is in the moment. But the whole idea of going to a therapist, going to a psychologist, he's old school. He gets up and he marches out of the room, and she's kind of going, "Oh, you know, she tried." But it's like he – not only does he not want to be there, he feels like he was tricked into going.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I just thought it was a really – and it was – I felt again, I felt bad for Marina here and the Troy character to have that cut. I'm so – that was one of the pieces of scene that I – hoping they would find, which I, I didn't know why they wouldn't. So of all the deleted scenes that have been shown on these bonus features on these DVDs over the years, that's one that I especially love for that reason. I always felt like sad that she got left out of the Relics wrap-up. Uh but for today's topic I thought it was really cool that they wrote a scene yep. and she didn't even do anything badly. <laughs> you know, for your your you know this was late in the series so it wasn't like uh, it was a bad yeah, scene or anything. it was
0: a good. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. But totally. it was
1: very human, it was very human and maybe a century throwback to the to the quasi perfect humans of Kirk's time. Uh even more so a century later, but it was a very human reaction to somebody like you're sneaking in here trying to fix me. Get out of and it, and what's great is what we don't realize is as you watch the show aired, he argues with he, you know, Jordy, and he regrets it. Jordy talks about, you know, you're just an old man and you're in the way, you know, what we're doing, so please get out of my way. That's in essence what Jordy's telling him, and he's insulted and angry and stomps off, and instantly Jordy feels bad. You can see it. Yeah. And the show cuts for him going right from there, right into ten, like, oh, I heard you guys have a bar here, you know, kind of a thing. Um, and they go right to that scene. And what happens is that's where the Metroy scene was. So what happens yeah. really is he goes from Geordi, goes back to his quarters. She comes to see him. He stomps out of his own guest quarters. He leaves her and says, I don't need a psychologist. I know what I need. And he heads for the bar. So yes. that's that's the context of him going to 10 forward that we miss by that scene being deleted. But it's also, again, a great. A great real life story of a lot of people going. Uh, I don't need that it actually leads into one of the last uh, images that I gave you. We we're talking if we're talking about informal therapy. Yeah, I thought it would also be so. There's your K three. <laughs> uh,
0: I think that's that's a great K three, and um, that that scene actually, Larry, it adds more texture.
1: Were you aware of that scene? Had you seen it? In- no, no,
0: that's what, I'm about, that's what I'm about to say. I have those Blu-rays. I haven't seen that scene. I, I, I own that that Blu-ray. I need to watch that. Um, I, I'm going to quite literally do that later today. Um, disc- this one,
1: everybody. Season the, six, disc one. The,
0: uh, the thing I really like about that is, I'm going to use one of your favorite words here, is texture. It adds more texture to the scene between Scotty and Picard. Where he's on the Enterprise uh seventeen oh one, no bloody A, B, C, or D. And he's also um he's drinking the ages. and he feels um such a sense of uh of loss and also disconnection. Mm-hmm. And um knowing that he had the scene with uh Troy earlier, it adds more depth there that he is able to connect with the captain of, of the enterprise, and in that connection he also realizes how disconnected he is and how out of time he is. Beautiful and, scene, and really Picard's well
1: playing a little counselor. Well, they're all yes. doing because everybody, as a human being, gets it. Here's a guy that's a hundred years out of joint, yes. in a wacky sci-fi yeah. way, but you know he's still a human having to live this. And and Jordy is normally a very empathetic guy, but he's got a job to do, and he was frustrated in the moment, and he feels bad about it. Everybody else has got a little bit of a luxury to be able to go, oh, especially Picard, yeah, and
0: connect that. Libby says, uh, can we do a whole show on therapists who aren't therapists on Star Trek? That's a great idea. I Libby. think so.
1: Because um, we've got uh, a whole stub that we're probably not. Yeah, we're not going to get to.
0: Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll keep that as a topic for the future. Okay. Um, then save
1: some of those images I sent you. I am, I
0: am. I am. I am going to save, I'm saving these for, for that time. Um, Larry, before we jump into, uh, the away mission, um, there's something interesting happening. Um, and I'd love, uh, oh, I'd yeah. love your take on this. What's happening next Friday? So next Friday, it's
1: not quite as, uh, big as some recent events, but Friday night, uh, Kalea and, uh, Jay at, science division who are the people that do the automated you know chip activated triples which are awesome uh, they're having a little virtual fun night um there you go eight o'clock eastern five o'clock pacific we're just going to have a what amounts to a fun little triple panel and then do some triple uh triple trivia and have some prizes it's not a big huge event it's just you know an hour hour and a half uh, but I'm just inviting everybody to come over and join us. Um, if you're just and if you're seeing this during the week later, you know, it's uh, go to their page sciencedivision.com, and they're going to put a Zoom link up. You know, just a couple hours, a few hours before the start time, and we'll just have some fun and some uh, prizes. There'll be some Portal 47 prizes and amongst some uh, some Science Division triple prizes. So I just want to let everybody know that's coming yeah. up amid all yeah. you know, the virtual. Also, Once. I gave you another slide for something that's happening in just a couple of hours, if you can put it up. Couple of hours, Larry! Of, this no, one? not that one, not that one. The other one that looks like a rerun
0: slide from oh last week. Oh my gosh. Time. I don't think I, I don't think I have it for some reason. Oh no, tell me, Larry, tell me while I look for oh, it. No, here at, um, at one
1: o'clock Pacific, just in a couple hours here, there, we're going to rerun The, uh, our cocktail party from our virtual cocktail party from last. So it's going to be run all three hours. Just as when it was live, you can dip. There's no live chat, obviously, because it's the thing. But we had about, we had over 20 guests, including Armin and Kitty and uh, Armin Sherman and Kitty Swink and John Billingsley and Dan Curry and Mary Chifo. And, and we realized it was Tamlin Tamita's first Star Trek fan event. Was the party last week? So anyway, for, who was C- Commodore O? A bad guy, girl, but still a wonderful person and a person you want to you want to meet. She was like really clear on a couple of things that she's for. Uh, Chase a lot of lot of fan podcasters, uh, our science folks. Uh, anyway, it was a great I three mean, hours. Look
0: at this list; it, it's, uh, it's a it's a very big list. There's the
1: one time this. today from one to four Pacific. Uh, you, it's on Twitch. Everybody on Twitch, hi Twitchers that we've been ignoring. Uh, twitch.tv/outpost13 is the ch- is the channel, and they've got things running. So anyway, uh, from one to four, we're
0: going to rerun this, and there's
1: a lot of good stuff, a lot of fun, a lot of fun moments happen. Yep. so I wanted to yep. throw that out there too.
0: Um, I'm going to do a very quick away mission here uh, because I want to jump into the comments, and we're running on a tight timeline today. So my <laughs> away mission is really about like how do you start. Um, so if you're looking to get um to get therapy, how do you start? Well um the number one thing I want to encourage people is if you're looking for a therapist and you already are connected to a healthcare provider you trust, ask them. So if you have a primary care physician that you go see, a nurse practitioner, anyone that you uh you feel like you have a good relationship with, ask them. They probably know folks in your area and maybe folks who take your insurance as well. I know we are in America where we don't have a nationalized healthcare system. If you live in a country where you do, your options are going to be even, you're going to have even more options than you do in the United States. But that's a good place to start. Um, the next thing to do is um, if you do have insurance, you can call your insurance provider and ask for recommendations for uh, people who might be seeking, uh, who might be um, therapists. And always ask for three. Don't just stop at one because sometimes therapists get full. If you're a college student, you probably have access to college counseling services that are either free or low cost at your college or university. You can always ask friends or family if they have a recommendation. There are a number of online directories that you can go to. Um, If anyone's interested in those, let me know in the comments. I can share some lists. And then in the United States and in many other countries, there are referral services that will help you to get connected with a therapist as well. In the United States, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, has a helpline? You can call them, and they will help you through this process of finding a therapist. Mm-hmm. SAMHSA, S A M H S A, also has a helpline as well that you can call, and they'll uh, they'll get you through the this. Society I'll some of these. American Mental Health Substance Abuse Mental Health oh. Support Alliance. I think I think very okay. different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll post some of these resources in um, in the comment section uh, once we're done. So. And- um, Maybe In the a, interest of... yeah, the page. Yes, on the page. I'll, I'll, on our Facebook group, yeah, I'll share it there. Good idea, Larry. So if you're not already a member, go to our Facebook group. It's Life Support Live. And, uh, we got this topic idea from, from you all. We asked you based on this week's lower decks, what episode, uh, or what topic you want to explore. And so we explored this topic. So I'll share those resources there. So, um, yes, I agree, Linda. Nami is amazing. So with that, uh, Larry, let's, um, let's do a rapid fire round of hailing frequencies. Yeah. There's a lot of comments. A There's lot was so going many on. good comments here, and I, um, of all the,
1: of all the weeks to cut things a little short, but we're gonna we're gonna basically split this into a part two as of this command yeah. decision. Yeah. So let's, we'll do our informal counselors in later. But I just want to say what you just said early yes. in the chat here. I think it was Libby talking about how she did try to take advantage of campus-based college-based mental health facilities, and it was being manned by grad students, and it wasn't the most chen- interesting. Um, saga but base, the bottom line was it wasn't the best outcome it wasn't the most mm. talk about a junior counselor who hadn't finished their training that's kind of what she uh what she was enduring there, but um, yeah,
0: um, a lot of quicks
1: doing some sharing through, yeah.
0: Quick uh, comment about that is um, it can be very hit or miss uh, when you're seeing someone who's in training. Um, sometimes you get better treatment, actually, from someone who's in training. Um, I've obviously been in training, and one of the things that's very different when you're a training therapist, you're seeing a much smaller caseload, so your therapist is actually spending a lot of time preparing and thinking about how to best support you. And they probably are supervised with audio or videotape supervision. So not only do they watch back everything they're doing, but their supervisor does as well. Sometimes that means you get way more attention on you and much better treatment. Sometimes it means you're also getting less experienced treatment. So it's, it's hit or miss.
1: Yeah. Uh No, I just – guys, I really want to thank everybody in the chat. We've had some – uh I want to say a shout-out to Stella, who I think is one new, who was here earlier on anyway. Uh, a few other people I'm madly looking to see that I thought were new. Everybody doing a really good job of sharing. Everybody's cross-talking, which is wonderful, wonderful. People talking about – uh Jared and Libby here talking about the effects of being unemployed, a lot of the rounds of layoffs, people trying to deal with that. People being their own informal counselors to their friends. If they can be. Um, uh, But yeah, finding – a lot of stories here about finding a fit with a therapist, which I agree is totally. Finding one that you think is – and I hate to say this. I mean this is, again, the shock that I had. One of the shocks in the 90s I had was that they don't know all the answers, that therapies, including medication therapies, are evolving and can even in some cases be still primitive. It's like, oh, thanks. I get to pioneer this when I just want things – done and known and just give me the damn thing. I don't want to be part of your experiment to make things better in 30 years. Uh, but also that therapists, you know, are not always the best ones. And sadly, if you're like waiting, oh, good, I've got insurance. I, can, I mean, I hate to say this, but sometimes the therapists who are on insurance plans um, may not be the most competent, the most experienced, the best ones. And sometimes there, were, there have been a couple of times when I need to, even medical doctors, I had to go find a doctor I don't mean brain surgery. I mean like knowing a specific niche of something, even medication prescribing, and to find it's it's weird to think about. You have to go here, put your ear to the ground, and listen. But I I was finally found a medical doctor who charged less than a psychiatrist who was who was an expert or who was very proficient at a certain couple of medications or or you know prescriptions, and actually went to an MD who was kind of making it among her portfolio, making it her life's work to help people competently in a couple of areas where a lot of people, it was just not a focus. I'm not saying they were incompetent, but it just wasn't a focus. But it was a huge lesson in how, you know, our system is far from perfect and people are perfect.
0: Yeah, Larry, I I, I really agree with that. Um, There's a lot of problems to our mental health system. Um, There's a big difference between surgeries and therapy. Surgeries are largely public. They're not they're public, meaning there's a lot of people in the room. Um, there's checklists. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's procedures that you have to follow. Therapy is behind closed doors. It has to be confidential. It has to be secret. But that also means sometimes accountability is, is not quite as good as it is in other professions. One of the things that I hate most about therapy is how, um, how so much of it is not transparent. Um, so there, there's a lot of problems in our system. And I just want to mention, Jared said over here about um, having 21 this is, friends. This is um, what this I was is,
1: talking about. Yeah.
0: yeah, Jared mentioned this much earlier, having uh, 21 friends get laid off at Disney in the same day. Uh, we saw that news this week about the layoffs that are happening. Um, Jared, that's... Um, but uh, for Jared saying,
1: I felt like I'd been hit by a train after all of his friends are calling. Going, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, when it's one person, that's one thing. But when 21 of your friends are all slamming you now it's on now it's a bit of your problem too
0: it's it's and it's compassion fatigue um you can get exhausted from helping people um it can be very overwhelming um there's also something called vicarious trauma which is when you're consistently helping people who have gone through traumatic things it has an effect on you it can change the way you see the world so this, um, there's also a lot of, uh, a lot of challenges here. A lot of challenges, um, to being in this field. Um, Jared mentioned I am dropping more tapestry references than, than Larry. Um, <laughs> but there's always a week for this. I'm an opportunity um, tapestrist. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to go through the comments here quickly to make sure I'm not missing any of the big picture stuff. I think, uh, maybe some, some folks had reactions to my use of um, of coaching as a term. Um, and one thing I want to say here is um, I always try to understand when I'm working with someone one-on-one, I always try to understand what are the things that they're interested in and passionate about. I ask those very early on. And then I try to tailor all my analogies and metaphors related to their interests So unlike our bird therapist in Lower Decks this week, who just uses food analogies over and over, it's really important that the way you share the information resonates with what the person values and understands. So if I learn early on that someone is really into sports, then I do more sports-based analogies. But if I understand early on that they love Star Trek, Star Wars, science fiction, fantasy, then I might talk about, I'm going to be your Gandalf. Gandalf. I am going to help you learn along the way, but I can't throw the ring in Mount Doom, you know, um, or I'll, I'll use analogies that are more related to Star Trek, whatever it is. So um, it has to be tailored and responsive to the person's culture, their passions, their their pursuits and mm-hmm. the ideas that they they love. So you're not just being patronizing is what you're saying. You can't. Otherwise, you lose that trust. It gets back to the issue of trust that we're. Talking I
1: know about. it's it's for the connection. By the way, the bird doctor's name is Miglamo. Say his
0: name. Miglamo, Miglamo. That's we what don't it is. We know his
1: species. They've shown Aurelians, <laughs> the two avianoids in the uh, in the um, um, in the animated series. We've seen them in Laura Dex already, or at least the one. They both look alike. and he's this looks more like a, a Looney Tunes bird man than. Um, we'll see we'll see what this species is of avianoid um, people sharing their story I was trying to see we had uh, I know hi Jamal and newer don't see some folks we've had circle back Earl Gray trekkie 1701 over on YouTube hi yeah if welcome. this is the first week um, I said hi to Stella somebody I think Phil Barnes has been with us before Rose our friend Rose who said I'd like to see you again Rose. what she said here I just want to know if that person is incompetent. Is an incompetent therapist or doctor. Do the one thing they should not do? Do they make things worse? Not to make things worse or injure their, their, you know, don't make things worse. Do no harm. Um, Do no harm. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they don't intend to, but if they're not, if they haven't surveyed enough.
0: And, uh, and, and if they, if they see something that, um, really hits you the hard way, they need to repair that. Which and we means, have
1: stories of that happening here. Of uh, people, are sharing yeah, we do
0: have that. a lot of stories of that. Like this, <laughs> two things need to happen. Sometimes you do get into difficult stuff that might make you feel angry or upset or sad. That's a big part of of, uh, of therapy is helping you to be able to approach and learn how to manage difficult emotions. At the same time. You should know that that's part of the plan, that that is what's going to happen. You should have informed consent that this is where we're headed in treatment. These are the things that we need to help you to learn how to experience. Sometimes the challenges can be if that's not made very transparent or if you find yourself exploring things that you were not necessarily ready for or on board with exploring. Um, I think Heidi also had a comment about a therapist who reacted personally to things that uh, that mm-hmm. she was discussing. And therapy should never be about <laughs> the therapist. Sometimes, yes, you might talk about your feelings and your thoughts about the therapist because patterns that happen in the outside world can repeat in the therapist's office. But it, if you're ever talking about your relationship with the therapist, it should only be in the pursuit of your own goals. Like how how is... Imp- Like for, I'll give you a quick example, Larry, and I know we're we're running over on time, but sometimes if my patients were consistently late or canceled on me last minute, um, and, and this is a big pattern, we would talk about that. And I would talk about, Hey, so this happened. Um, I'm concerned about this for this reason. And I'm also curious, does this happen elsewhere in your life? Oh, okay. So it is a pattern that happens elsewhere in your life. Well, I just want to share how it impacts me because I think other people in your life probably also feel the same way. So if it's ever about the therapist, it should always be about the patient's goals and how this can help you to move forward on the goals. Mm -hmm. And it always has to be intentional, not personal. I yep. don't know if that helps. but uh,
1: yeah. Another shout out to Orville Nation. So thank you for coming over from the Orville Nation on YouTube, who thought it was an interesting show today. So glad to see you. Also, Jamal has a very good point, obviously. Yeah. no one He's basically saying, no wonder Troy did well with Soji, or at least picked up that she was a synth right off, because of all her years with Data.
0: With all her years of Data, yeah. As an Android. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that
1: synth is the new PC term for Android, apparently. Um.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, <laughs> oh, and I'm
1: only halfway through the chat, guys, so I'm really sorry for being so, but we got caught up in our topic. We got lost in the part. Speaking of, of, of plexing, <laughs> Polycorp, or whatever it was. Um,
0: yeah, I think Scott was having a good discussion about um, the line between being a friend and, um, and supporting someone more so. I would say um, if you're if you're a friend, be a good friend and you can be supportive, be a good listener um, when when it feels like you might be getting pushed into a position where you're being asked to do more. Then your responsibility as a friend is more about helping the person to get the professional help they need. So a good friend will help people to get help when they need it. Um, that's how I like to think about it, although I know that line can sometimes get very blurred.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tim Hans here mentioned Flocks on Enterprise. Uh, oh, again, kind yeah. Of like, kind of like McCoy, not a standard uh, psychologist, but he obviously had can- – he obviously canceled people from Paul to Archer to – you know, they were writing the book on everything on Starfleet. They'd barely been in deep space, and he was doing his best to pioneer some things, too. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: <clears throat> um, Jared sounds like was talking about boundaries and, um, Jared, boundaries are really confusing right now. Um, you all are looking at me in my home. You know, there have been episodes early on in the show where my daughter ran in here until I figured out how to put a lock on that door. Um, boundaries are very difficult to have right now as many of us are struggling ourselves. Um, with our own mental health, Larry and I have talked about that in, in weeks prior when there's been wildfires and political turmoil and, um, protests and police brutality. America's in a tough spot right now. Um, it's very hard to have boundaries and they're so important. They're so important to have as well. Um, so I, I, I feel your struggle there with, with that. Um, definitely something oh, I'm and experiencing myself.
1: Hello, stress free K, if you're still with us from YouTube. Oh.
0: Yeah, stress free. Um, so I saw your comments here. Um, we do Lucky watch Lower Ooh, Decks. Well. Yeah, um, we watch Lower Decks. We don't dive into spoilers about Lower Decks because not everyone in the world can see it at least legally right now. But we love Lower Decks. This episode was inspired by this week's episode of Lower Decks. So I, I and may I say,
1: especially today, how fascinating it is that so many of our across the pond folks are commenting away.
0: <laughs> uh, it's so I'm nice it. but
1: i will yeah. say <clears throat>
0: um there's there's a lot of uh a lot of great comments coming in um yeah and and nathaniel said here uh, following along the dated psychoanalysis it seems like there's always a need to externalize the captain's superego. um yeah so it ego super ego these classic ideas in psychoanalysis um, I have friends that are modern day, um, analysts and modern day psychodynamic therapists. And the stuff that we saw with Troy is nowhere near what people are doing now. What Freudian therapists are doing now just doesn't, it doesn't match up. Very dated. Very dated, Larry. Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Ali Matu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nemechek.
1: Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support
0: Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the psych show. And for a deeper dive into all
1: things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nemechek's Trekland on
0: Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone.